Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into The Extended Phenotype, a groundbreaking work that challenges traditional views on biology and evolution. Authored by the esteemed Richard Dawkins, this book expands upon the ideas introduced in his bestseller, The Selfish Gene, propelling the concept of genes as the central agents of natural selection. Dawkins, a fellow of the Royal Society and former professor for the public understanding of science at Oxford, is celebrated for his contributions to the field of evolutionary biology. The extended phenotype presents the provocative argument that the influence of genes extends beyond the bodies in which they reside, shaping the environment and behavior of organisms. Dawkins' brilliant perspective reveals a biological world where gene expression transcends individual organisms, influencing a variety of phenomena and challenging our understanding of the evolutionary process. This seminal text caters to a diverse audience, including students of biology and genetics who seek to deepen their understanding of evolutionary mechanisms, as well as anyone fascinated by the complex story of life's development on Earth. Science enthusiasts will find the extended phenotype particularly engaging, offering a new lens through which to view the natural world. Discover why Dawkins has earned prestigious accolades, such as the Royal Society of Literature Prize and the Los Angeles Times Literary Prize, as we explore the insightful, gene-centered view of evolution that has a profound impact on the scientific community. Join us as we summarize and appreciate the depth and implications of Dawkins' influential thesis in the world of evolutionary biology. The Extended Phenotype, The Long Reach of the Gene Introduction Unveil the hidden players in evolution, beyond the usual suspects. When we talk about evolution, Vivid images of finches' beaks and the Galapagos Islands often come to mind, telling a tale of adaptation and survival. But that's just scraping the surface. While we're engrossed in the stories of complex organisms battling it out for existence, we're overlooking the invisible and tenacious competitors in this evolutionary race, the genes themselves. Take a moment to dive deeper into the microscopic realm, and you'll witness the relentless struggle of genes jockeying for pole position in the lineage relay race. These tiny molecular structures aren't just idle blueprints, they're dynamic players, artfully crafting and fine-tuning beings from within, just to ensure their own legacy. Richard Dawkins brings us a groundbreaking perspective in which the unassuming gene emerges as the master puppeteer of evolution. Forget the notion of survival tied to just beasts and man. This voyage will uncover truths like the misconception surrounding the existence of a gene for blue eyes, the intriguing evolutionary spectacle displayed by the enigmatic anglerfish, and the evolutionary insights we can glean from the humble architecture of a snail's shell. Part 1. Embark on a journey through the genetic lens of evolution. Picture the evolutionary battlefield, a place often framed by the struggle of majestic creatures and exotic plants, each wrestling for their chance under the sun. This vision is rooted in the notion of survival of the fittest, a concept that has become almost synonymous with our understanding of life's grand narrative. 
we tend to default to a perspective where organisms are the ones duking it out in the evolutionary arena. But let's broaden our horizons and shift our gaze. Visualize for a moment a detailed scene, not of the organisms themselves, but of their most fundamental units, genes. Enter the realm of the selfish gene, a context where genes are the central players on the evolutionary stage, actively shaping the forms and behaviors of the bodies they inhabit to ensure their own survival and propagation. This perspective is akin to observing a Necker cube, a simple, albeit profound, optical illusion featuring two overlapping squares connected by diagonal lines. Depending on your focus, the cube can flip, revealing different faces in the foreground. Likewise, shifting from an organism-focused view to a gene-centric perspective doesn't invalidate previous understandings, but adds depth and complexity to our comprehension of life's diversity. Shifting our lens to the genetic level doesn't refute the individual organism's evolutionary battle. Instead, it highlights a parallel narrative, one where genes orchestrate a covert dance of survival. It prompts us to probe deeper, asking questions not only about the benefits of certain genes to an organism, but also about why and how certain genes consistently assemble in tandem within organisms. As we continue on this captivating exploration, we will delve into these transformative inquiries and unveil the subtleties of the genetic influence on evolution. Part 2. Dismantling the Myth of Genetic Determinism in Our Lives Let's talk about myths, the captivating tales that spark our imagination and sometimes lead us astray. Throughout history and across cultures, legends have woven themselves into the fabric of our existence. In modern times, we've crafted new folklore, this time within the realm of science. One such fable is the gene myth, which wrongly implies that our genes have the ultimate say in shaping our destinies, as if they were some molecular-scale crystal ball. Here's a common scenario. A young student wrestles with mathematical formulas, and her well-intentioned parents consider hiring a tutor. But when they come across the idea that a mathematically challenged gene lurks in her DNA, they encounter a crossroad. Should they accept this genetic hand they think has been dealt or challenge it? It turns out that genes aren't destiny. Indeed, genes play their part, swaying us towards certain proclivities or strengths, but to say they rule over our future is to misunderstand their role. Biologists may speak of genes associated with particular traits, like red eyes in fruit flies, but in reality, these pronouncements are about likelihood, not certainty. Genes operate within a vast network, an intricate interplay with countless others, what we call the genetic environment, and this greatly shapes their effect. And let's not forget about the world outside the genome. The environments we grow and live in, whether natural or social, interact with our genetic predispositions in ways that can profoundly alter the outcome. Take, for instance, the child who perhaps has a certain genetic slant away from mathematical prowess, yet thrives under the tutelage of a gifted educator. When we hear phrases like genetic codes or being genetically programmed, it's easy to fall into the trap of seeing our DNA as deterministic as binary code in a computer. But this is more scientific lingo than literal truth, a narrative spun in popular culture but not reflective of the nuanced reality. Our genes indeed influence us. Nobody would dispute that. 
Just as a powerful book or a stirring film can shift our perspectives and influence our actions, so too can our genes nudge us in certain directions. Yet, it's crucial to remember, neither narratives nor nucleotides chart an inescapable path. No gene alone casts our fate in stone. Part 3. The complexities of evolution reveal organisms aren't always perfectly adapted. When we watch a gecko blend seamlessly with its environment or marvel at the swift, silent glide of a shark, it's tempting to think these creatures are the pinnacle of evolutionary design. If we subscribe to what's known as an adaptationist view, taking Charles Darwin's theories to suggest that all species evolve traits perfectly suited to their challenges, we might assume that nature always gets it right. However, a closer look at the living world reveals numerous instances where traits are far from ideal, hinting at the nuanced and imperfect process of evolution. Consider the concept of a time lag. The evolution of traits doesn't happen instantaneously, but unfolds across generations. A trait that once provided an advantage might no longer prove useful as environments and challenges evolve. The armadillo, with its ability to curl into a protective ball, might have been suited for predators of yesteryear. But this strategy is less useful on today's roads teeming with fast-moving vehicles. Evolution's canvas is limited by the available genetic variation. Not every conceivable trait can emerge because it depends on the existing gene pool. This gene pool may not have the perfect assortment of alleles needed for a truly optimal trait to develop. It's conceivable that extra limbs might benefit certain species, but those configurations have yet to and may never appear in vertebrates due to genetic constraints. Moreover, traits that may be beneficial to an individual aren't always harmonious with the needs of the group. Two conflicting strategies, egoism and altruism, illustrate this complexity. Selfish actions might enhance an individual's survival chances, but they can unravel the fabric of group solidarity, leaving the collective vulnerable. A bison's aggressive tactic to secure a mate works against the herd when unity is necessary to fend off predators like wolves. These examples cast a shadow over the purely adaptationist mindset and remind us that Darwin's revolutionary theories were foundational but not exhaustive in explaining the vast and varied tapestry of life. Evolution, as it turns out, is an intricate and often messy affair, displaying a myriad of traits that, while beneficial in some contexts, fall short in others, illustrating the limits and imperfections inherent in the process of natural selection. Part 4 the paradox of organisms acting against their evolutionary interests. The narrative of evolution often underscores a universal drive to survive and reproduce. Organisms are depicted as prime architects of their own destiny, carefully honing traits to maximize their genetic legacy. But if we observe the natural world with a discerning eye, we come across curious instances where creatures seem to betray this survival script acting instead in the interests of others. Take the eerie deep-sea angler fish, a master of deception that uses a lure that mimics food to draw in unsuspecting prey. Smaller fish, with their poor vision in the dark depths, mistake the angler's bait for nourishment and inadvertently serve the predator's purposes. It is an unsettling dance, 
where the anglerfish's evolutionary success hinges on duping others, and the prey seemingly evolved to aid their own demise. However, this apparent contradiction is more than a peculiar footnote, it's a dynamic feedback loop. Just as the prey evolves traits to escape deception, the angler must refine its mimicry, both parties in a perpetual arms race, with survival and subterfuge playing out in their genetic code. In this evolutionary tango, the prey's adaptations inadvertently bolster the fitness of their manipulator, leading to an intricate interdependence. This fascinating gameplay perfectly illustrates how evolution can compel organisms to behave in ways that seem to contradict the goal of self-preservation. Sometimes it is the manipulator, such as the anglerfish, thrust into the evolutionary spotlight, adapting with urgency to maintain its deceptive edge and secure its next meal. In the ongoing saga of survival, traits that benefit the manipulator emerge and persist, often at the expense of the manipulated, painting a complex portrait of interspecies interaction and evolutionary influence. Part 5. Exploring the Master Replicators of Evolution, Genes At the very heart of the evolutionary drama, beyond the flourishes of fins and feathers, lies a fundamental force, the replicator. These are the entities that persist through the making of copies, propagating their essence across time. From the DNA spiraling through our cells to the pages rolling out of a photocopier, replicators are the vessels of continuity in a sea of change. Yet, not all replicators are created equal. There are those that are active participants in their own replication, bending the world to their favor, and others that remain passive, simply riding the waves of circumstance. Genes, those marvels of biological information, are very much the former, active replicators. They invest in the phenotypes of the bodies they inhabit, like biological investors, directing traits and behaviors towards the ultimate prize, successful reproduction. Then there's the split in the replicator world between what we might call the immortals and the mortals, or in scientific parlance, the germline replicators and the dead-end replicators. Germline replicators are the privileged lot, having the capacity to replicate ad infinitum, hitching rides on the genetic express across countless generations. Most of our DNA, however, falls into the dead-end category, with replication limits set by the finite life cycle of the organisms they animate. But the concept of replicators extends beyond the biological realm. Ideas, or memes as Richard Dawkins famously coined them, can also multiply and morph as they hop from mind to mind. A catchy tune, a compelling quotation, or an infectious laugh, these are the memes of our cultural genome, each vying for a spot in the spotlight of our collective consciousness. Much like the genes with which we share our biological being, memes evolve, mutate, and recombine, ensuring that the freshest and most appealing ideas have a fighting chance in the vast marketplace of human thought. In this intricate dance of genes and memes, we uncover the true engines of evolution, industrious replicators seeking avenues of eternity through the vessels of the living and the legacies of the learned. Part 6. Reframing the Evolutionary Role, Organisms as Gene Carriers 
As we delve deeper into the mechanics of evolution, we encounter a powerful reframing. Organisms, those multifaceted expressions of life, are not the core replicators in the process. They are, in essence, the carriers, the vehicles that chauffeur genes through the generations. A lineage of family members may give the illusion of replication, a mother seemingly passing on her essence to her child. But if replication were true in the strictest sense, the inherited traits of a mother would be exact copies, rather than a mix of genetic material shaped by new influences and environments. When a mother loses a finger, her offspring remain ten-fingered, underscoring the idea established by Darwinism that characteristics acquired within a lifetime are not genetically transmissible. This leads us to a clear distinction. Organisms are the vessels, meticulously crafted by their genes to ferry them onwards. They are the physical manifestation that carries the genetic baton, tending to and ultimately propagating these microscopic units of life. Every mutation, every shift within the strands of DNA, is held within the confines of the organism. In the world of biology, there has been a tendency to blur the lines, zooming in and out of levels of selection, from gene to organism to group, as though they are interchangeable in their evolutionary roles. Yet this is misleading. While genes are the discrete reproducers, the foundations of heredity, organisms function on a different plane. They carry and express these genes. The rules of natural selection hold firm when we look at communities or groups of organisms, each acting as a collective vehicle for the multitude of genes within. This understanding leads to a refined vision of evolution, one that distinguishes between the replicators and their trusty transporters, reshaping our grasp of survival and inheritance from the ground up. Part 7. Understanding the inner competition of genes, outlaws and modifiers at play. Peering into the complexities of evolutionary biology reveals not just a world of competing organisms, but a bustling inner ecosystem of genetic rivalry. It's not the leopard with the sharpest claws or the tree with the deepest roots that we should focus on, but rather the genes within them fighting for supremacy. Therefore, we can refine our understanding of natural selection to the competition between genetic replicators, each vying for a spot in future generations through advantageous phenotypic effects. These effects, ranging from physical attributes like plumage color to behavioral tendencies, play a decisive role in an organism's ability to reproduce and pass on genes. Essentially, genes use the bodies they build to gain reproductive leverage in the race of life. Contrary to traditional views, it's not about organisms themselves, but their genes' genetic strategies that dictate survival and propagation. However, within the genomic realm, not all genes play by the same rules. Some genes are like mavericks, dubbed outlaws, who buck the system to boost their personal replication odds, even at the expense of the rest of the genome. One potent example comes in the form of segregation distorter genes. These genetic rogues manipulate the rules, skewing the odds to favor their transmission beyond the expected 50% during reproduction, a real-life Game of Thrones played out in the microcosm of the cell. But despair not, for nature has its own checks and balances. Enter modifiers, the genes that rally against the outlaws. These genetic counterparts work collectively, much like a coalition in a political assembly, 
to quell the influence of the outlaws and maintain genomic order. Their united front often dilutes the renegade DNA's impact, restoring a sense of genetic democracy. This glimpse into the interplay of modulating forces within the genome underscores a key aspect of evolution. It is not a simple march toward perfection, but an intricate dance of competing interests, with each gene playing a part in the grand biological symphony of life. Through the mechanism of outlaws and modifiers, we see in real time how the genome is both a battleground and a cooperative landscape, where the ultimate aim is the successful transmission of genetic information across the sands of time. Part 8. Revealing the role of superfluous DNA through a gene-centric approach. The human body is a treasure trove of DNA, but not all of it seems essential to constructing or maintaining our biological selves. This has long puzzled biologists wedded to an organism-centric viewpoint, which sees DNA's role as purely architectural for the body's layout and operational needs. To them, vast stretches of seemingly superfluous DNA lack any discernible purpose. However, once we adjust our lens to focus on genes and not just organisms, the fog of confusion begins to clear. From a gene-centric perspective, the presence of this excess DNA isn't perplexing at all. Its existence, quite simply, is to continue existing, to ensure the survival and replication of itself. Think of it like an easy-going hitchhiker nestled in the backseat of a vehicle. This superfluous DNA may not be navigating or fueling the journey, but it's also not causing any trouble. It's along for the ride. And if it manages to hitch along without causing a detriment to its vehicle, the organism, it's successfully playing the evolutionary game. So why might biologists overlook this? Let's consider an analogy. Imagine biologists hailing from utopia, a world where every living being trusts each other implicitly, no need for locks or security systems. To these alien scientists, human safety measures would appear entirely redundant. It's only once they grasp the concept of competition, distrust, and the protective impulses that arise from these human interactions that they begin to see the reason behind such precautions. In a parallel sense, once earthbound biologists acknowledge that DNA operates on its own behalf, vying for its replication and survival, superfluous DNA begins to make sense. It's not merely an accidental byproduct of evolution, but part of the genetic game, quietly ensuring its passage through time alongside the more obviously critical strands of DNA. This shift from organisms to genes reframes our biological narrative, shining a light on the sophisticated and self-serving strategies playing out in every fiber of our being. Part 9. Untangling the many interpretations of fitness in evolutionary discourse. In conversations about evolution, the notion of fitness recurs like a refrain. But have you ever stopped to ponder what being fit truly entails within a scientific context? It turns out, part of the persistent murkiness clouding our understanding of evolution stems from the variable ways biologists employ the term fitness. Originally, when Darwin spoke of the fittest, he referred to those organisms best equipped for survival. Under this definition, traits like muscular strength, acute vision, and finely tuned hearing were hallmarks of the fittest. 
qualities that bolstered an organism's chances of enduring the perils of existence. Yet, survival of the fittest births an expectation that as generations unfold, organisms should naturally evolve to become Herculean in strength, eagle-eyed, and capable of perceiving the faintest rustle in the underbrush. The term fitness also takes on a second meaning, gauging an organism's prowess at reproduction. From this perspective, a crow and a blackbird might be pitted against each other, with the title of fittest going to the one whose progeny surmount the hurdles of youth to reach their reproductive zenith. But wait, there's a third dimension to this concept, the idea of inclusive fitness. This extends the measure of evolutionary aptness beyond the individual, encompassing the survival and reproductive success of kin sharing the organism's genes. Hence, a wombat's fitness isn't solely individual, but interlaced with the fate of siblings and cousins bearing genetic resemblances. The multifaceted usage of fitness naturally breeds confusion in discussions about evolution. And since it's a cornerstone of the traditional view that organisms are the primary benefactors of their genetic endowments, such muddiness in terminology blurs the entire narrative. The prevalent, if misguided, notion of organisms as the chief recipients of evolutionary success sells short the role of genes in this process. It underscores the necessity of pivoting from the selfish organism viewpoint to one centered around the selfish gene, a shift that promises to clarify not just what fitness means, but the very essence of evolutionary progress. Part 10. Genes manifest beyond the individual in the concept of the extended phenotype. Our evolutionary lens, having shifted from the organism to focus on the persistent journey of genes, now peers into the realm of phenotypes, the culmination of observable traits that form the outward expression of an organism's genetic script. In exploring this notion, it's crucial to acknowledge that, while genes play a starring role, the environment also shapes the grand production of the phenotype. But let's paint on a broader canvas and consider implications beyond the boundary of the organism. Consider the caddisfly larvae, expert builders whose stone nests on riverbeds come in various shades contingent upon their architect's genetic makeup. The larvae's nest-building behavior, influenced by their genes, leads to a stone color pattern in their nests. Thus, in this context, the very stones they select mirror their genetic influence, an expression of what we now understand as the extended phenotype. This concept treasures the myriad creations that organisms weave, spin, and construct as continuous phenotypic expressions. Just as the golden strands of a spider's web stretch out from the spinnerets, directed by its genetic blueprint. Venturing further beyond the individual's handiwork, let's muse upon the communal creations, like the intricate dams engineered by beavers. These dams aren't solely the product of a lone agent, but rather represent the coordinated effort and shared genetic tapestry of a whole beaver family. They materialize as prime examples of a joint extended phenotype, testament to how the reach of genes extends beyond singular life forms to orchestrate collective biological endeavors. In this expanded apprehension of the phenotype, we come to appreciate the extent to which genes sculpt the living panorama. From the protective caddisfly abodes to the water-wielding works of beavers, the essence of genes flows outward, crafting ecosystems in their wake, 
This intricate weaving of life shows that the hand of genetics is not confined to the flesh but extends its touch into every artifact and altered environment instigated by an organism's living drive. Part 11. The Extended Phenotype When genetic influences transcend individual organisms, expanding our view of the phenotype to include its extended influence brings forth a question. What marks the authentic signature of an organism's phenotype in the world around it? To discern this, it's essential to link phenotypic expressions to their impact on an organism's survival and reproductive success. Take the humble pigeon. The artfully constructed nest cradling its young is undoubtedly more than twigs. It's a strategic phenotypic extension safeguarding the next generation. However, the incidental disturbances it creates while foraging for building materials, scattered leaves, superficial scratches on the ground, don't share this critical impact on its lineage and, thus, fall outside the purview of its extended phenotype. When phenotypes overlap, casting a shadow of influence from one organism onto another, unique shared expressions can arise. Let's dive into the remarkable symbiosis of the snail and the fluke, a parasitic flatworm. In this alliance, the snail's shell unexpectedly bulks up under the direction of its uninvited guest. This begs the question, is this merely an environmental response or the result of a deeper genetic interplay? The thickening shell proves to be a joint phenotypic expression, straddling the boundary between host and parasite. Ordinarily, the snail invests a measured portion of its energy into its shell's fortification, harmonizing protection with other demands. But the parasitic fluke brings its genetic ambitions to the partnership compelling the shell to fortify beyond the snail's standard blueprint, primarily for the benefit of the fluke's progeny. Here, the extended phenotype becomes a tangible link between species, where the genetic script of one organism weaves itself into the very body of another. This case exemplifies the profound scope of extended phenotypes, reaching into realms where even the living tissue of an organism transforms into an instrument of another's genetic goals. It casts the snail's hardened shell in a new light, not merely a feature of its own making, but a co-authored fortress, co-opted by the companion riding in its genetic wake. Part 12. The Necker Cube of Biology reveals two views, the gene's lens on behavior. We initially introduced you to the curious world of the Necker Cube, a simple illustration symbolizing dual perspectives within the realm of biology. Each perspective is valid. One focuses on the organisms themselves, while the other shifts the spotlight onto the genes, the tireless contenders, in the quest for evolutionary triumph. Having explored the selfish gene and its strategies for exerting influence through the extended phenotype, we're now equipped to revisit the cube's dual faces with newfound clarity. Let's apply our insights to the Bruce effect, an intriguing phenomenon observed in the animal kingdom specifically within the conduct of mice. When a female mouse encounters the scent of an unfamiliar male, she will often abort her current pregnancy. This behavior caught the attention of researchers and offers a fitting scenario to illustrate the two biological viewpoints. In the organism-centric approach, the male mouse appears to be the puppeteer, pulling the evolutionary strings to induce the female to abandon her current litter in favor of one potentially sired by him. It's a biological ploy, 
seen as enhancing the male's fitness in an organism-focused narrative. By switching to gene-centric glasses, however, the story's context shifts. Here, the male mouse's scent is not just a characteristic of the animal, but an agent of the genes it carries. Genes choreographing the behavior from behind the scenes. The Bruce effect, therefore, becomes a dance of phenotypes where one individual's genetics materially influence the decision-making of another. The male's scent. Launching genes aren't mere bystanders. They are active participants nudging the female toward a behavior that favors their continuation in the genetic relay. The extended phenotype theory's core underscores that an organism's behavior is, fundamentally, a strategy to propagate the genes responsible for that behavior. These genetic architects extend their reach, sometimes even influencing bodies that they do not physically inhabit, as is the case with the male mouse's scent affecting the female's reproductive choices. In conclusion, the saga of life is best understood when we recognize the central role of genes in crafting behavior. Their influence is pervasive, often transcendent, always dancing on the edges of what we can see, like the shifting faces of a Necker cube, revealing the hidden dimensions of biological existence. Final summary. Within the vast and intricate canvas of biological life, two perspectives entwine to shape our comprehension of evolutionary drama. The traditional vantage, inspired by Darwin, casts organisms as protagonists, each honing their traits in the solo endeavor of survival. Yet, a modern twist in the plot emerges with the theory of the extended phenotype, which hands genes the reins, positioning them as the foundational players in evolution's grand game. By widening our gaze to include both the organism and the gene, we unlock a nuanced, encompassing view of how life on Earth evolves and thrives. This dual perspective offers us a more profound grasp of the natural world, spotlighting genes as architects beyond their carriers, shaping behavior and influencing ecosystems across the genetic frontier. In this holistic approach, we move beyond the confines of individuals to witness the sweeping orchestration of genes crafting the very fabric of life through their relentless pursuit of replication and survival. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.